0: Well, we are continuing on in our February sermon series called Shift. And last week, Pastor Mike, uh, Mike Murray started us off with this series, with a message called Transformation. And uh, as we continue on in that series this morning, I want to remind you, uh, maybe this was just to remind myself, uh, what this series is all about. All right. At its center, this series of Shift is all about a terrible word that most of us don't like, it's about change, right? Change is not always fun. And we talked about naming the series something to do with change, but we thought none of you would want to show up. So uh, we, we had to change it a little bit. We had to give it a little different uh, perspective. But change can invoke some less than great emotions in us. I, speaking from experience, I do not always enjoy change we are such creatures of habit that change really messes us up even when that change is good who in here i mean every day it's this you are a creature of habit you'd be willing to admit to that there's more of you out there come on um so over the uh change can be a good thing, but it still kinda messes with us. Now, uh, over the past few weeks, we've had some some changes that have gone on here at church. Uh, we've been dealing, had been dealing, with a heat issue uh, for the past couple of weeks, and thank the Lord, uh, that has been resolved. Um, so you're not getting out of midweek activities anymore. Um, you know, we're back on to our normal schedule, but I noticed that those changes in my own week, even though I knew that they were coming or I was I was there a part of the process, they still messed me up, right? Because I have my normal schedule of things. I know what falls on what day, what days I have this um, commitment and what days I have another commitment. But when we have to move or cancel something that we're used to, it screws us up a little bit. That change messed with me for two straight weeks. I could not remember what day of the week it was uh, because Wednesday felt like Tuesday and then Wednesday never came and so I was just always confused. Now, those of you uh, who have young children understand maybe in a different perspective the true challenge involved in change. Because maybe even more so than us when we get older, uh, children are dependent on a schedule. They're dependent a lot of times on a routine. They, you know, if 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 something gets out of whack, it can kind of kind of throw them. For a loop, schedule to change or a change to schedule can be likened to the end of the world at times. Um, you know, we have a Head Start class that meets in the building uh, down the hall, and and uh, when we were working out some of those heat issues, they had to change their schedule a few times, and it, you did not have to be close to them to understand that their their schedule had been messed up and they did not necessarily react well to it. And I, I, you know, the teachers were like, oh man, I can't wait to get back to normal because they don't know what to do with themselves. So change, it messes us up a little bit even when it's a good change, even when the shift is a good thing. So we want to look at this shift and we wanna look at how some of the change and the uncomfortability that comes with change, it often indicates growth that is taking place in our lives. Change isn't always easy, but it does indicate growth going on. Our goal is that through this shift in our lives, we can make room for God's best, because I don't know about you, I want the absolute best that God has for me. I don't wanna live my life in a way that blocks some of what God wants to happen In my life. So that's kind of what we're looking at for this series. And this morning, we're looking at the value of development as it pertains to this shift, to this change of making more or making room for God and everything that He wants to do in our lives. Now, development, put simply, is the process of growth or bringing something to a more advanced or effective state. That's my favorite part of that definition. Development is the process of bringing something to a more advanced or effective state. So as we look to make more room for God's best for each and every one of us, it's crucial to look at the process that it takes to make it possible, okay? It doesn't just happen. It is a process. We're humans. We're not perfect. We, we t- sometimes it takes us a while to figure things out, and uh, it is a process in our lives. The process of opening up our lives for more of God boils down to growing in our relationship with him, that make sense? Opening ourselves up to more of what God has for us really at its core is about growing our relationship with God. Um, you know, think about, for those of you who have teenagers, or maybe you can remember this far back, when you met somebody who was very special to you, a young lady or a young man, and uh, all of a sudden you are rearranging your life to have more of them in it right? You want to be with them, you want to be near them, so you're changing what you do on a normal day, daily basis, whether it's your work schedule or uh, what you do for fun, you're changing it to allow them to be a part of your life. It's the same way with God. If we want more of who he is and more of what he has for us, we need to open up our lives for more of him, and we need to continue to develop our relationship with him. So that leads us to the book of 2 Peter. Now, the purpose of Peter's second letter was to encourage believers to diligently pursue godly character and to pursue a better understanding of who God was and is. So he's encouraging them in this to live godly lives and to pursue a better understanding of God. His encouragement for the Christians of the time also translates to us as we look to be more and more like God. In the first chapter of 2 Peter, Peter gives us a laundry list of things that we need to have in our lives. Okay, And it, it is kind of long, um, but we're going to just uh, read it really quickly. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, Now I read that, and I, it looks like a list that we could work on the rest of our lives, right? There's some big things in there, that self-control, one, um, perseverance, maybe. There's some really big things that we can add to our lives that Peter is encouraging us to do so. And this morning, rather than run down a list and, and look at um, what each one of those means, we're going to look at um, some of some not not necessarily practically how we can apply this, because for each and every person, it might be different. You might have, you might, you might abound in love, and that one's, that one's awesome, but you might need more work in, uh, you know, the, uh, what did, some of them say kindness, but it's um, mutual, where did it go, Um, uh, mutual affection, right, Uh, maybe that's one that we need to grow in. So it's going to be a little different for each and every one of us, so I want to run through just a couple points that I think are going to help us with this. So the first one is that God has already given us all that we need to live a godly life. Like we read this scripture and my first thought was, man, I need, I need some help here. And, and we do need help, but at, at the end of it, God has already equipped us to, to play all these things out in our lives. Some of them just might, be, might feel a little bit more dormant than others in our lives. God has given us each the qualities that we need in order to live a godly life and to grow in our relationship with him. But because we're imperfect, because we're human, it means we have to work those qualities out to grow and develop them into what God has for each and every one of us. Now, I, I have just uh, something for a little visual, and it might be hard for those of you in the hub to see, um, but my guess is that most people under the age of 18 don't know what this is. And, and I'll open it in a second. I'll give you a little... Um, uh, you know, if you're under eight, Isaac knows cause he saw me take it out. Kendall, you know what it is. Um, if it's hard for you to tell, <laughs> th- excuse me, this is a roll of film, right? Um, this represents something, um, that a lot of us have dealt with, whether for good or for, for worse. Um, but the obvious, this is obviously the precursor to everything digi- digital and eventually the awesome camera that's probably in your pocket or your purse right now, OK? This is what it was. Um, this represents 24 exposures or photos um, that once you take them, there's nothing you can do to uh, take another one other than take another one. Like you can't fix that one. And so if the kid's eyes are closed, they're closed. If uh, you happen to sneeze while you're taking that photo, it will look like you're in the middle of an earthquake. Okay, this is something pretty interesting. It represents about, or not about, it represents 24 exposures. Well, this thing can hold about 15,000. Okay, that's an interesting comparison. But here's the thing, when you buy this, you would drop it in your camera, you'd wind it or whatever before they came out, those awesome disposable ones um, that I should have grabbed instead, but um, this little canister by itself isn't complete. Now, I could tear it apart and I could see, I could kind of see the film and sort of see the pictures that were captured on it, but there's an important part of this process that has not yet been completed, which is development, right? There's a process that this has to go through in order to make it what it is intended to be. It hasn't been developed. Um, The process for development of film takes it from what it is at this very moment to what it's meant to be. It doesn't become a picture of that family vacation until you go and develop it. In fact, until this film is developed, the contents and the potential of what's already been captured doesn't even really mean a lot. Think about that for a second. It doesn't mean a lot, because right now this is just um, some film that was sitting around the house. See, when I went to ask my mom, uh, because I was looking for this as a visual, I went to ask her if she had some, she um, dug into her closet and she found an entire bag of undeveloped film. (laughs) Um, Which is super awesome, because that's my childhood sitting in a bag you know there's probably pictures of me and my grandma that would mean a whole lot right now and it's just in a bag i'm i'm teasing but there is a bag of undeveloped film so maybe after she watches this we can get those developed um <laughs> But the value and the impact of this film will not be realized until it's gone through that process of development. These areas in our life that Peter is talking about, they might be present, but until we develop them to, to a greater uh, a greater place, they're not gonna have a huge impact on our lives. And maybe one of them is more developed than others, and, and we go through that process, but it's important for us to understand that development brings them to their potential. See, Peter has listed the positive character traits that we as Christians must develop in order to be spiritually victorious and productive in serving God. It may seem a little bit intimidating, but imagine the challenge of wanting to live a godly life with no real idea what you need to have in your life. That would be even worse. Like, man, I want to live a godly life, but I have no idea where to start. But Peter lays it out for us. He lays it out. Some are going to be harder than others, but he, he points us in the right direction. He's given us a rundown of what we need to add to our lives in order to be fruitful in our relationship with God. In fact, prior to giving us this very list, he gives us another bit of encouragement in 2 Peter 1-3. He says his divine power, meaning God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. He's already given us what we need to make these things happen. We just have to go through the process of developing it. And just as a reminder, a verse that we've all used maybe in different contexts and different situations, but Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. God does not only equip us to live our lives in a way that honors him, but he tells us that we can do it. He gives us hope. He tells us that he's with us during that process. He offers us the reassurance that it's possible with his help. So number two, quickly. It says, we have an active role in our spiritual development. Think about that. We have an active role in our spiritual development, or we should have an active role in that. Second Peter tells us that we should make every effort so our spiritual de- development does, in fact, depend in part on us. First Peter 1.5, we already read it. For this very reason, make every effort to add your faith to your faith goodness, and then he goes on. He tells us that we have responsibility in the process. Now, it's easy to show up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night for a connect group and think that, that we'll get everything we need to make it through the week. It's easy to think that. I've been guilty of thinking that myself. But at the end of the day, it's not. We have to have personal involvement in our spiritual growth. We have a role to play in that development outside of these doors and I want to encourage you to take that role, to take that opportunity um, and and begin that development. See, we know that things in life just don't really happen, right? They don't just happen. uh, they take there's a process that 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 exists. We don't just wake up one morning and a huge life-altering process um, has been taken care of. Now it would be nice, but any kind of development do, uh, that happens takes some work. I went off to Bible college to study to become a pastor. It didn't just happen overnight. I, I didn't wake up four years later uh, with a degree and a plan, but. It would have been nice if it would have just kind of happened like that, but it took work, it took sacrifice, and actually it took five years, so um, it was a little, you know, it just took me a little longer. But activity of any kind takes development. It's a process. Now, I don't know, maybe your guys' family is like ours, and over the past three days, you have spent uh, way too much time in front of the television watching the Olympics okay, maybe it's just us, I don't know, but, but I love the Olympics, I love, um, you know, watching it, seeing the stories, in fact, I found myself yesterday while I was working on things, I, or maybe it was Friday, I had watched something, and then it was on in the evening, and I go, I've already seen this, I know who wins, then I realized I needed to step away from the television for a little while. Um, but it's so much fun to watch some of these awesome stories of these athletes representing their country and see how they got there the amount of effort blood sweat and tears it took to get on get to the biggest stage in the world and represent their country it's just awesome now these people are some of the most athletically gifted and naturally talented people in the world but they train and train and train for years and years and years. It's developmental. They're gifted with this ability. They're gifted physically, or maybe it's mentally because the what they do is just a mental game. Um, but they still have to train to get to the point where they compete, where they can compete. Now, I want to take your, uh, I want to take your back, your your minds back to a much warmer time, uh, to the 2016 Summer Olympics. In, uh, in Rio. It was a lot of fun. We watched a lot of that as well, but one of the reasons why I loved that year's Olympics so much, um, you might not care about it at all, but it was when they reintroduced golf back into the Summer Olympics for the first time in, I think it was over 100 years. It hadn't been part of the Olympics in over 100 years, and I enjoy golf. Um, you might think that golf is a way to lull you to sleep on a nice Sunday afternoon, um, but for a few of us who golf, it's enjoyable to to watch. So one of my all-time favorite golfers is this guy named Rory McIlroy. Okay, Rory McIlroy. He um, he's from Ireland. He hits the ball like a mile. And uh, at the age of 28 years old, so he's younger than I am, he has 22 professional wins, including four major championships. Again, that might not mean anything to you, but it's pretty astounding. And, um, and I, I, look at, I look at him and just think, man, if I could golf half as good as you would, I would still be terrible. Um, as a young child, Rory showed an obvious natural ability and interest in golf. Okay, his dad was a golfer, and so Rory was quick to pick it up. And eventually, he he asked his dad almost every single day to go to the golf course. And that's awesome. It's it gets expensive, especially at that age. But um, it was something that he loved and that he had some natural ability. Even at a young age, Rory understood that if. He was going to have a future in the sport that he loved. He had some work to do. It wouldn't just happen, he had to put in the time and the effort to get a shot. So as a young boy, uh, this is one of my favorite stories, Rory received a golf club as a gift for birthday or Christmas or something like that. And his dad showed him the perfect grip on a golf club. And if you've ever played golf, uh, Zach, you know that the grip, it's, it's an important part of your golf swing and it's i was going to bring a golf club and then i didn't but it's it's all kind of weird right so you have like fingers interlocked and you have to have the one hand on top of the golf club and it's kind of complicated it takes a little while to learn so rory's dad shows him this grip and um something kind of interesting happened uh it said that rory used to take that golf club uh with him to bed And he would sleep with the golf club in his bed, but he would do so with the proper grip on the club. So he would fall asleep with it in his hand all night long. Now, I don't think that Rory was thinking, well, I need to develop a strong grip, but I guarantee you it pays off now. He was developing this even at a young age. Another story about him, kind of fun, is that when he was a little older, he was looking for ways to practice at home. And he came up with a little routine that helped him develop his short game. And uh, I'm sure that his parents probably weren't too excited about this, but I saw it in a talk show interview that he had as a young boy. Rory said that he would chip a golf ball down the hall into his mom's washing machine. And like, I can only imagine all the dents and dings and and thankfully he can replace that now. But on the show, he was like seven or eight years old and he's showing them how he did it. So he was developing these skills that he had naturally, but it took work and it started at a very young age. He was active. He didn't get to be one of the best golfers in the world on sheer talent alone. It took determination, hard work, and development of those skills. See, having an active role in our spiritual development takes work we have to be willing to put in the time and the effort to experience all that all of the growth that god has for us it doesn't just happen and it isn't always easy but i promise you one thing it's always worth it the process of development is always worth it isaiah 41:10 says so do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed for i am your god I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In that list of things that we need to add to our lives, some may be easier than others. Love may be easier than perseverance, and perseverance certainly could be easier than self-control, but God offers us uh, assurance that he will strengthen us. He will hold us up, and I believe that he will continue to hold us up as we continue to pursue the life that he has for each and every one of us. It's a promise that he makes us. He will bring us through according to his plan for our lives, and he is walking through this developmental phase with each and every one of us. We have an active role to play. And the the third and final point that's a shorter one, Is that we're blind without these traits in our lives. There's a big list of stuff, but we're blind without them in our lives. Peter tells us, after Peter tells us to add faith, goodness, knowledge, self control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love to our lives, he tells us that if we don't have these things in our lives, that we are sort of nearsighted and we have trouble seeing and and I remember thinking, like, that's kind of harsh. You're telling people they're blind if they don't have these things present in their lives? In Second Peter 1.9, just as, as a refresher, it says, But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their sins. Now, I don't know about any of you guys here today, but these things are pretty important to me. These things that sit on my face, they are, are very crucial. I got glasses as a young child, and it's hard for me not to remember or to remember a time where I didn't have them. Uh, It didn't take long for me to get used to them, and now I can't imagine not having these with me every single day. See, if I take these off, it's a little different, Okay, I cannot read this iPad, Okay, If I wanted to read it, there, I can read it. And this doesn't bode well, Okay. I can't tell who is sitting in the front row if I didn't just hear Matt's laugh. Okay, I know he's there, but currently it's kind of a maroon blob. (laughs) Right? I need these glasses in my life. Otherwise, I will be walking into things. I will be driving into things if I get into a car, which would be stupid. Um, They are are important to my life. Peter mentions nearsightedness at the end of this passage. And let me tell you something, if you do not have vision problems to compare it to, you do not want anything in your life that you can call nearsighted. You don't want it. Because outside of that 18 inches or two feet, you can't tell what is coming. You can't see what is ahead of you. You can't accomplish what you need to accomplish if you don't have your glasses on. It's a really big deal. I couldn't read those things. I couldn't see what was going on. My eyes have to strain even harder to focus. And over time, that strain could continue to to hurt my eyes. There could be damage that takes place. And my point is this, if Peter is telling us that when we aren't developing these qualities in our lives, then we are nearsighted and we run the risk of forgetting what God has done in our lives, then we need to get some glasses right? He's telling us if we don't have these things present in our lives, you're going to miss out on stuff. We need some glasses. We need a a way to look at what God is doing in our lives. We need some glasses. We have to get, we have to put ourselves in a position to apply these qualities to our lives so that we don't miss out on what God has done already. And it got me thinking, and I know this is not a large revelation, um, but out of that list that Peter tells us of those things that we need to apply to our lives, a number of those are fruits of the Spirit. A number of those are the byproduct to having the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. So as I began to think about my glasses, I began to get, come to this realization that the Holy Spirit, I believe, is the key component to our development as Christ followers. The Spirit of God at work in our lives is what will make it happen. He is our glasses. He helps us see what we couldn't see on our own. He assists us in focusing on the things of God, the areas we need to grow in, and overcoming fear along the way. The Holy Spirit puts it in perspective. John fourteen twenty six says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Some translations refer to the Holy Spirit as the helper, and I like that phrase, the helper, because that's what he's here to do. He's, he's here to help us develop as, as humans, as Christ's followers, because that list that we read in Second Peter, I don't know about you, but I can't knock all those out on my own. In fact, I might not be able to take care of any of them on my own. I need to have a different perspective. I need to have the the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit by my side if I ever hope to become the person that God has called me to be. That big list in 2nd Peter isn't possible on our own. It's overwhelming to think of working through that entire list on our own. And I believe that the Holy Spirit in some in uh, in some ways is meant to be like these glasses. It's something that goes with us wherever we are. It brings absolute focus to everything that we encounter. I don't want to be walking around spiritually blind and miss out on what God wants to do in my life. But sometimes we're guilty of doing just that. Each and every one of us whether now or in the past, we've, we've been spiritually blind. We haven't opened our heart and our eyes and our mind up to the things of God, let alone ask his spirit to go with us every single day. We may even think that we're heading in the right direction, but if we aren't allowing the spirit of God to guide us each and every day, it's only a matter of time before we run into something. If adding faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love to my life is what will continue my development as a Christ follower and to make more room for God in my life, that's what I want to do. I need to be willing to do whatever it takes to, to make more room for those things in my life. I can't afford to walk through life blind to what God has already done and blind to what he wants to do in the future. I'll strain what's already taken place in my life, and I'll miss what is coming up. As we close, the worship team is just going to lead us in, in a song or two. And we're going to just take time to reflect. Reflect on what God is maybe speaking to you, because this isn't about me, this isn't about anything that's happening up here on stage, but it's, it's about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what he wants to accomplish in us. Because you might have looked at that list and thought, man, love, I gotta love people? How am I gonna do that on my own? And the beautiful thing is that God promises to lift us up during that time. He promises to give us someone uh, to go along with us, to encourage us, to guide us and lead us. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond as you feel you need to. They're, going to. they're going to go into a song here. If you're looking at this list and it's overwhelming, you can't figure out how you're going to work on all of that. Maybe what you need to do is find someone to pray with you, to ask them, uh, to, ask them to pray for you, to ask God to, to um, allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Or maybe you just need someone to come alongside of you for encouragement during that time. Or maybe you just need to worship God this morning because you know that without him, none of this is possible anyways. Or maybe you just need to ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit to go with you today. To allow you, to allow it to give you clarity of vision, understanding, and for God's voice to be heard. So I'm going to leave it up to you to respond as you see fit. Uh, they're going to they're going to continue to play, and if you just want to praise the Lord for just a few minutes and worship Him, feel free. We're not going to do a formal dismissal. So when you feel that that God is releasing you this morning, I would invite you to to be dismissed. But please, as we do so, um, remember that there may be those who are responding this morning and need God to do something. So uh, please be mindful of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you don't just hand us a list of things to accomplish and say good luck. You don't just let us figure it out on our own, you, but instead you promise us that you will be with us, that you will strengthen us, that you will lift us up as we work to, uh, to figure out some of these, these areas in our lives that need to be developed in order to, to not only draw us closer to you, but to make room for more of what you have for our lives. Father, I thank you that even when it's not easy, it's worth it and that your plan of development, it never stops. We're going, to be, we're going to be developing these things in our lives forever, but God, I thank you that you partner with us, and Father, I pray that as we go into a time of worship, as we go into a time of prayer, as people are reflecting on what you have to say to them today, Father, I pray that your spirit would be felt, that your spirit would be heard. God, that, that we would understand that Your Holy Spirit is designed to go with us every single day in every single situation to speak to us, to to give us peace when we need it, to give us boldness when we need that boldness, Lord. Father, I pray that, that you would remind us throughout this week about those areas of development, that it wouldn't be just a Sunday morning thing, that this would be something that challenges each and every one of us throughout the weeks and months to come as we look to grow our relationship with you and ultimately allow more of you in our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.